0: Good morning. Good morning. <clears> the <throat> Lord's blessings to you this day. So thankful to have you in word and worship uh, as well the uh, opportunity to share the sacrament with all of you this morning. I'm uh, eternally thankful. Um, this morning we're going to be speaking about Philippians talking about joy and uh, sometimes the difficulty it is to have joy even in this modern time in our world. Uh, we will talk a little bit about that today. But let us Start our time together with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings that you have showered down upon us in our life, uh, for this church, for the people herein, the fellowship that we find here. But most importantly, we thank you for your Son, who is coming, who has come, who who will come on that last day. Uh, we, we give you thanks that indeed he is present in word uh, and also in your, his body and his blood on our altar this day. We give thanks that he was born in a manger to be our Savior and our Lord forevermore. And we, we give thanks that someday he will return again to make all things new, uh, and we will see him face to face uh, in a new heavens and a new earth. All these things give us great joy. Let us revel and live in that joy. Fill us today with good things, Lord, with your word and your sacrament that we might be a people who are joy-filled and share that joy with people who live amongst us, near us, around us, in our communities, uh, and in our homes. We pray all this in Christ's name. His will be done in our lives daily. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is taken from Micah chapter 5. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our epistle lesson for today is taken from Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers... and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our verse for consideration today, uh, Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Our verses for today and the section from Philippians Paul's actually referring to the fact that the Philippians have dug deep and given uh, very as, uh, as much as they can or, or even more so uh, to aid his gift that is going to Jerusalem to provide for the widows and orphans and the people who are struggling due to the famine in Israel so Paul is very thankful for their gift, the things that they're doing, that they uh, are listening to him, even when he's going through his difficulties of imprisonment and other stuff going on. Paul has joy in the midst of his sufferings uh, because of his people. Because I think for a lot of reasons, I've met uh, several people in my life who just kind of exude true joy. A couple of them were professors. I think uh, it's no, it's not surprising that these were. Uh, exegetical professors who were primarily in God's Word. They were just guys who were overflowing with, with joy because I think they were so deeply into God's Word. Um, and I've met other people, uh, some people from this congregation, from my previous congregation, and in life who just have this wonderful sense of joy in all circumstances. Uh, we we use this word, I, I you know, I've never been part of the optimists. I don't know what that group's about, but but it definitely, I, f- I feel that word is appropriate. This is people who are optimists in the world. Not pessimists, kind of like myself. The people who have always this very good view on life. They are people who have joy in all circumstances. I, I wish that I were an optimist. I try to be. Uh, what is it about this world that makes it so hard to be joyful and an optimist in the very best sense all the time? Right. Uh, well... Uh, As you know, I've taken a few liberties with with Advent. I hope I haven't offended anyone. Uh, First, I've been uh, kind of exclusively preaching on Philippians on Sunday mornings. The lectionary has, for the most part, created a sort of sermon series, if you will. Uh, And in doing so, I moved uh, the text uh, around a little bit as well so that we could talk about joy today. It made the most sense, I thought, in this last section of Philippians that we're going to cover, even though I did it kind of out of order, the last one, the last Sunday of Advent actually should be peace, but I did that last Sunday, and I even lit the pink candle today as opposed to last Sunday, and I hope you weren't offended by that being lit out of order. My wife told me uh, after church on Sunday that she was very offended that I lit the pink candle out of order. Um, I don't know if she's being serious or not, I'm not sure. Joy in Advent. You now we have it over here, yeah, from Isaiah 49, but also we'll get joy from our verses for today as well. There is so much to be joyful about in the Advent season. Okay, we we wait for what we know happen. It's a very weird thing. We live kind of um, we step inside these walls and we kind of let time go away, right? So so we, we're for four Sundays we're waiting for something that's already happened. Christ being born in Bethlehem in a manger, right? We, we've been waiting for the Christ. He's already been born, but we yet still wait for him to be born. And this is something that we can have joy about now in Advent, but really all the year round. Jesus is our Lord, is God, sent down to be God incarnate for us in a manger, sent to be our Lamb of Sacrifice, to take away our sins, He is the prophet who doesn't have the word of God in his mouth, but literally he is the eternal Logos, the word of God himself. He is the Lord of my Lord, King David, the true king of Israel who was to come. Oh, may he enter into my heart and be king there as well. He is the true priest who offers up sacrifices for forgiveness, but his forgiveness is complete and forever because he offers himself. In these ways and more, our joy is coming, has come, will come. He lies in a manger for us. That is something that we can truly be joyful about. The Savior we waited for, he has come. And with him comes healing in his wings, but it's not just this. Our joy is that as he came once in history, he will come again. And when he does, the pain, the toil, the tears, the anxiety—you know—we come. You, you, you all are wonderful because uh, I, I've always, I've noticed over the years that I've been here that for some reason, your dressing kind of ratchets up a slight notch during the Christmas season. I don't know why that is, but y'all look a little shinier, y'all look a little nicer, you wear Christmas clothes. Some of you put coats on when you don't normally wear coats. It's a special time. You feel it, right? Um, It is a joyful time because I know that even though you look shiny and new and wonderful, you're coming in here with hurts and fears and anxieties, right? And Christmas is a wonderful time of year, right? But if you've lost someone recently, it can be kind of a terrible time of year, can't it? It's tied up with all those memories of the person that we lost. It can be hard. You're still here, though. I appreciate that. There's joy. There's joy here. And when the Lord comes again in his second advent, all of these things that we kind of carry in here with us, those fears, anxieties, the pain, the toil, it's all going to melt away never to afflict us again. The Lord will judge us righteous on that last day on account of His blood that covers us. We will inherit a new heavens and a new earth. We will live there like kings and we will be made new. This is indeed another reason to be joyful. This is kind of a thought. It's a theme. It's something we're thinking about during the time of Advent. So, you know, come back to that original question. If we have all of this, we're regularly being reminded of all of this joy, why don't we have it? Yeah? In our regular lives, when we're at our workplaces, when we're sitting at our desks or in our cubicles, walking around during our daily job, why don't we feel it? What is taking away our joy? In the world... The devil turns our eyes to the sad state of ethics among our leaders, the suffering under evil regimes, the uncontrolled, seemingly, diseases that are running rampant in our world right now, the personal loss, devastation of cancer and illness, the weather, disaster, like in the south of the United States. These things can often come without warning and seemingly times, it may seem that God is not in control. We can lose sight of that. In, in the midst of our suffering, we're being inundated and kind of beat down by all things around us. We can lose sight of this one true fact. God is ultimately in control of everything. St. Paul kind of helps us remember this. Philippians chapter 4, 11-13, from your lesson today, if you'd like to read along. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So, in every situation of life, Paul's trying to cover the whole gamut. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was someone who suffered, he was beaten. Uh, several times, run out of town several times, jailed several times, mocked regularly by his fellow countrymen, by uh, philosophers in Athens, and by any number of hosts of people in between. And we forget that he was martyred, killed for holding to this faith in Jesus Christ. On top of that, he had a thorn in his side that he wrote about that was constantly causing him pain. And I have to imagine, and maybe this is, the thorn, this is what he meant by the thorn, that there had to be a lot of guilt. Yeah? You know, for persecuting the Lord's church. Now, Paul was forgiven, but the devil is wonderful at dragging out our old sins and throwing them in our face, right? So it's not as though God hasn't forgiven these things, but I'm sure the devil did his fair bit of torturing Paul with them. That's why he regularly calls himself the worst sinner, the number one sinner, the protos, the worst. It's what the serpent does. It's what he's always done, right? He likes to throw those sins in our face. He loves to sow doubt, right? Did God really say, he wants to weasel his way in between you and God, make you doubt everything that he's done, everything that he is, and how much he loves. It's been his best trick from the very beginning. So when we stare at the news, or, you know, not even just the, the news on the TV, but like when we're hearing things from friends, right? What, what um, It's been a hard thing recently. I've had a couple of funerals, and I keep remarking to myself, I'm getting, I'm getting closer to that point where I only see certain relatives in my family when we do a funeral. And I don't, it's not a fun place to be. I'm sure many of you have been there for a while and are kind of still there. You know, you, you sit down and you talk to those relatives you haven't seen for 20 years and you hear about how so and so died and how so and so died and how so and so's got cancer and someone's sick. And it doesn't have to be on the news, on the TV, it can be things that are people are sharing with you firsthand the devil wants to get in there in that tidal wave and overwhelm us. Make us think that ultimately God is not in control. And I'll tell you something else it's even more nefarious. If we allow for the even small consideration that God is not in control of everything that's going on, then we have no real God at all. We have no God. It's a dangerous little trap the devil likes to play. In the midst of hard times, Paul has joy. Paul knows, we should know, we should always remember, that as big as the problems of the world are, as big as the problems of this life are, we have a Savior who is bigger, stronger, faster, and that Savior loves Paul, and that Savior loves you so very much. The hidden plans of God at times, when we look at them from the outside, when we look at them from the spot or the, the, uh, the high place of human reason, you know, we kind of sit above it or maybe sit up from it, and we kind of look at it from our little pillar, it tends to look like chaos, doesn't it? But Paul urges us not to do that. Rather, he urges us to look at the good things. We're so easily drawn to the negative, to, to the, the calamity, to the gossip, to the scandal. Right? But Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think, you know, this is my grandmother Marie Drevel's favorite verse. It was her confirmation verse, and she used to quote it to me all the time. So it's special to me, too. And I always kind of thought about this as just a very kind of sanguine, you know, Paul's just trying to, you know, give you a little nice thing to go home with, make you feel a little bit better, but I think he's actually saying something profound. Stop looking... And seeing and focusing only on all the terrible negative things that are going on in the world. But look, there are other things that are going on as well. And they're beautiful. And the Lord is at work in the world, making all things new. I don't want to conflate these two people. Like, I don't think they're on the same level. But maybe this might make a little sense. You know, Mr. Rogers, right? I don't know if you've heard this quote before, right? He says, when I was a boy... And I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. It's nice. It's a little trite because it focuses very much on people. And as we all know, people are sinful. They only do good works in Christ. So I might add to Fred's idea in the midst of suffering, look around to see the God-appointed helpers who help because of their hope, their peace, their joy, and love that has been given to them by Christ. And Please, don't lose sight of your Savior Jesus, who's making all things new. Don't lose sight of your God who sits on eternal thrones in the realms of heavenly splendor in control of everything. Staring at the chaos and difficulties in the world, we can become disillusioned. The devil wants us to focus on the scary, the anger, the anxiety, and our fears and troubles. But look, look, there is a babe in the manger. And he has come to set us free from the devil, ourselves, and the world. Even as a babe, he is the king of the cosmos. Here in the manger is something bigger and stronger than all of our fears. Tell the devil to shove off. I have joy. Even in the midst of my struggles, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Blessings to have you today. I love you all very much, and there's not a thing you can do about it. In this time of, of the Lord's coming, I pray for you joy, blessings.